Let's get to work. Prayer. That, that was a neat little video, isn't it? Talking about prayer. Prayer is communication with God. And so we've been looking at uh, an acronym uh, for pray, P-R-A-Y. So praise, repent, ask, and yield. Yield is the last subject we're going to deal with in prayer. To yield to God. So I'd like to start by just reading the scriptures. That'll be our, our text that we're going to work from uh, today. And then we'll get into intro, etc., etc. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13 in the um, New King James says, In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven. I want, I want you to notice that, that when Jesus modeled prayer, he wanted to make sure you understood it's, it's a group sport. He didn't say, pray this way, my father. He said, our father. I think part of the humility is every time I go to God, even in private, it's never only about me. It's about all of us. Okay. How many of you will buy me a free donut hole after service for that point? Very important, because some people want to have a, such a private relationship with God that it implies that they have some upper hand. No, you don't. You're just one of the family. Everyone's special in the family. It's our Father, not just my Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed to be revered, to be praised, be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day, this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now the last part of verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, First of all, we know that God doesn't tempt anyone. But this prayer is basically saying, help to lead me by circumventing temptation. Yeah. Don't lead me into an environment of overwhelming temptation. How many of you know that when you've escaped certain practices in the world, probably shouldn't trot right back in there for a while? How many of you know that you know, if, if the Lord sets you free from alcohol, you probably don't need to go with a group of people going wine tasting. Hello? If, if you used to just blow a lot of heavy smoke, you know, taking the Marrakesh Express, and you were a major pothead, you probably don't want to work in CBD distribution. Just saying. You've had a problem with morality. There's certain movies, certain things. Don't trigger. And the Lord will, will convict you. Say, just stay away from there. How many of you have ever had the, the Lord kind of speak to you about staying away from temptation? Just, just don't go there. Just don't watch that. Just don't linger longer at the office, sir. When a freshly divorced woman is really broken, well, I'm just being a really good friend. No, no, no. You don't need to be a good friend. You need to help her speak to Molly or, or Lizzie or someone else in the office. But 
You're not her answer. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. For yours is the kingdom. It's your, your kingdom that I live in, and it's your power that I receive, and it's your glory that I am submitted to. So today we're looking at yielding. This is what yielding to God is. Now today in the Super Bowl, <clears throat> um, both of the, the head coaches, Andy Reid, I've tracked Andy for years when he was with Philadelphia, Shanahan's, Mike Shanahan, his son Kyle. And I can tell you, part of the reason that the Kansas City Chiefs are smoking hot, and even though I'm a San Francisco guy, I actually think the Chiefs are a formidable foe, amazing team. Both San Francisco and Kansas City, they have a lot of yielders on the team. There's, there's a union between the front office, between the scouting, the drafting, the uh, putting together of the coaching staff. Somebody's got to yield. And so, so we don't see quarterback rebellion. We're not seeing that the tight end decides, nah, you know, like George Kittle. George Kittle is known as a great receiver, but he's also known as a great blocker. Well, you know, I really have caught a lot of passes. I think I'm really tired of yielding, and I'm not going to block today. You know what those guys are doing right now? Hyperventilating. And they're concentrating on how they've been coached, what, it, what, what yielding they need to do to not blow it for the team. When you see a dynamic group like the, the Army Rangers or the Navy SEALs, you know, various units within the Marines, powerful things happen when people need, when people learn to yield. Some of the best leaders that I've seen raise up have been the best followers. Some of the worst leaders are those who never submit to anybody. I've got to be the shot caller or I'm not going to be involved. How many of you know that in the kingdom of God, no matter how hard you try, even if you lay your life down, your blood can never atone for the sins of the world. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. No matter how much you try to pay it back or pay it forward, your sins, you can never, you can never take away one stain on that garment of yours. Only the blood of Jesus can take away your sins. Jesus was a great yielder. And he said, hey, Unless you become as little children, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you learn to become one with the Father and I. And so, I love it when you really see this table of the Lord with all the believers. When we're sitting at table with the Lord, there's not a lot of blowing smoke. Who's the greatest among us? What it really is like is like it's so good to be with the family, our Father. 
our Father. So we see that there's going to be some yielding going on today. And somebody's going to end up at the end of the Super Bowl and yielding with an acknowledgement that the other team was a better team, at least today. And then they'll strategize how to bring them down next year. I have a son, which Art and Eugene, <laughs> our father, which Art in heaven, <laughs> my son, which Art and Eugene, Jacob be his name. He was our first child. Have you ever noticed that little children, they're born as royalty. They are tyrannical. Have you ever noticed, if you want to see real meanness at the church, go to the nursery. You know, we have to have judo and jiu-jitsu training. Get in there, girls. Get in there, guys. You can face them. As they demand milk, they potty their pants. And that's like a stealth bomber. And they're tyrannical. You put them in the high chair. They, they get dissatisfied with what, what you fed them. Oof. You know, Cheerios with milk on the floor, in the carpet. And I'm amazed at the people that don't believe in any corporal punishment. Just tap them on the hand. What you're trying to say is, you're not king of the world. And I remember as Jake was articulate, and I'm giving him some commands. He go, why should I do it, daddy? I said, because I'm the boss. And he'd say, I'm the boss too. I said, you are, Jake. You're the nothing boss. <laughs> he goes, cool. Later on, he realized that nothing meant you're the boss of nothing. And he now tells his children, <laughs> you're the nothing boss. Well, you know, sometimes we may feel that, uh, are you teaching that we're not significant in the kingdom? You're highly significant when you're in line. Do you know what cancerous cells are in the body? They're, 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 they are, are rampant cells that begin to do their own thing and multiply inside the host of, of someone's body. And then they, with multiplication, then they can actually destroy the host that allows them to live. When a person dies of cancer, within time, every one of those cancer cells also dies. But cancer is do-it-yourself cells operating in the body. And so what would it look like in our city of Medford, in our region, if all of just the believers would, would, would seek to, to yield to God, your kingdom come. When it comes to my life, Lord, where do you want me to live? Lord, what occupation should I give myself to? Lord, assign my lifetime mate. I don't want to just go to the sports bar and try to trap me another one. How about assign seating? Lord, you brought my wife. Lord, in my case, he sent me from Portland to, to Oakland, California. And it was, a, it was a unique thing. It was beautiful. Assigned seating. 
I really like having very few questions to ask every day. I know what I'm called to do. I know who's the savior of the world. I know that I'm to yield to him. I know what city I'm to work in. And I know who's my wife. I know, I know who are my elders and leaders. And how many of you know that when, when you wake up and everything's just this big, empty, white board and, and, you're, and, and nothing's resolved? Those people are just so dreadfully tormented. But when you yield your life to God, it's like he begins to just say, you don't need to worry about that. You don't need to think about dating. The immoral person thinks about dating whether they're married or not. But the moral person goes, oh, okay, assign seating. I will be satisfied with my girl's love all the days of my life. Don't have to worry about that. Check, done, leave it alone. And so it, when it comes to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I'm the nothing boss. But he elevates us and said, no, I want you to function where I've planted you, and I will give you authority in those realms. When we talk about yielding, uh, we need to focus on the fact that um, as, as I just mentioned, that God gives us limited power of attorney. And he, he assigns us with certain realms of dominion, and, and he has, should have unlimited access to our life. Although many times people give him limited access. Nope, I'm not going to talk about that, God. I don't want to submit that part of my life. Think about it. And in fact, let's just take a poll. Is there anyone here like me that can say, even now, there are times we want to kind of lock the Lord out of certain parts of our life. You're bitter at somebody and you're not really wanting to talk about forgiveness thing. They really hurt me. I've got my hands up. What's, what are the rest of you guys doing? Okay. Oh, some honest people. That's so beautiful. God wants to have unlimited. The kingdom is his. All the power and all the glory is his. Gracious God that he is, it's still all of us is his power. How do you know that your life's not really your own? Because if, if, if your life was really your own, you should be able to live way over 100 years. But how many of you know that as a proof that you, you're not self-owned, you have to return your earth suit within around 100 years? And then your soul is held in reservation. The righteous goes into heaven and the unrighteous souls are in some realm of, of a holding uh, tank until the second coming, at which point they'll be reconstituted with their body and they will be judged and the righteous will be reconstituted with their body and enter into pleasures evermore. But you don't own your soul, you don't own your body, we yield it to the Lord. James chapter 4, verses 6 through 10 says this, But he gives more grace. This is from the ESV. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. 
Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to, to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. One of the things you read about James, I mean, you read when you study James, James was pastoring the Jerusalem church after Peter was kind of uh, the leader of the team for a while, and then it passed to the Lord's uh, younger brother, James. And James must have heard a lot of times from Mary, why can't you be like your older brother? You know, why can't you be more like Jesus? Kind of like my mom used to tell us kids that, why can't you be more like Jesus? But James was anything but subtle. You read the book of James, it's punctuated with a lot of spanking and an occasional positive thumbs up. You could tell he must have had some heavy counseling sessions that he had barely cleared before he started writing. Like, listen to this. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you, you double-minded. James isn't written to unbelievers. These are Christian sinners and Christian double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. I think we need to encourage more mourning and weeping in church. I want to go to church and be happy-clappy. Not me. I want to go into church and I want to feel the emotions that God wants me to feel. You know, sometimes people are deep in sin and they're all broken up and they're ripped up and they're weeping their eyes out. Let them be. If you've done something really bogus, you might need a few days of brokenheartedness over what you did. Shouldn't just be like, okay, forgiven? Okay, can I play now? Did you really think through what you did, the consequences and the ripples to the kingdom, to the people around you? And so sometimes we, we put an overlay and then we read the actual writers and we go, wow. Here's James talking to believers and saying, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to, to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. He's dealing with humility. The humility of yieldness, yieldedness. The humility to say, Lord, I'm willing to be the nothing boss. Because I know you never leave. Anyone who's willing to be humble never ends up only being a nothing boss. The people who humble themselves before God always get exalted because that's what he says. If you humble yourself before God, he will exalt you. We live in a, in a really, really active self-promotion religious environment in America. Everybody's got a Facebook thing and their opinions and this and that. Man, wouldn't it be great to just post like for six months straight Okay, Stephen Kim Schmelzer, question mark. I know nothing as I ought, quoting the Apostle Paul. But this I know, <laughs> quoting John Newton, I am a great sinner, I have a great Savior. So what's up? He still saves sinners like me. Jump in, humble ourselves, be exalted. Don't judge everybody else in Christianity. You don't need to know if Kanye is really a Christian or not. Because the Bible tells us the Lord knows them that are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord take a vacation from iniquity. 
The Lord knows them that are his. The wheat and tares are going to grow up. I'm just concerned I want to be wheat and not tares. And so wouldn't it be cool if people put question marks instead of statements? Pontificating? There was a program on, and I believe it's still on, called the Bible Answer Man. I'd like to have a, a program called the Bible Question Man. Every answer evokes a new question. Have you ever noticed that's how education works? When, when you get something answered, then the next question comes in line. And it, it appears that we may still be in a learning process, even in heaven. So there's nothing wrong with saying, I want to be submitted and humble. And when people come up and they tell you that was a beautiful song you sang, don't say it wasn't me, it was the Lord. Because how about the few bad notes in it? Just say thank you. I'm doing my best. God is helping me. And I really enjoy music. I enjoy singing. It's like when one, hopefully at least one of you tell me that today's message was really good, I'll be humble and say, thank you. It was my wife's notes. <laughs> yielding is two, two phases. One, it's yielding to God. Submit to God, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Whenever you feel the devil just pounding on you, you're so far from God, don't fight that. Say, hey, if, if, if that is true, and even if it's not true, I think I'm going to draw near to God. If I'm far away, I'm going to draw near. And if I'm really close, I'm going to still draw near. Because when I draw near to God, he draws near to me. He does. It's, it's, a, it's a spiritual law that if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And the second aspect of yielding is yield to God by resisting the devil. Just as we pray in this prayer, deliver it, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You have a personal God, sweetness, and you also have a personal devil. Well, you know, I'm so spiritual, I don't even, even think of the devil. Then you're more spiritual than Jesus. Because Jesus said every time that you get together to pray, you need to say, Our Father, and you need to get to some business at the end of your prayer saying, Lead me not into temptation, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yeah. Every church service, the Holy Spirit and angels and demons show up. While, while we are preaching and teaching, there's a war in people's minds and those familiar spirits that have kept you bound are in there and they're chatting just as loud as I am. Don't buy this. Don't go there. What about? I've never seen a good service where there isn't a conflict going on in people's minds. So who's conflicting? And so, again, just guarding against religiosity, you need to think about the devil. Now, I'm not talking about in some fear, terror, and certainly don't praise him, but know enough that when Satan's trying to push you one way, resist it. If he's trying to say you don't need the gathering of the believers, resist it. Right. If he's trying to tell you you don't need a small group, resist it. Brother Steve, teach me how to do spiritual warfare. It's called resistance. 
What the devil wants you to do, don't do that. No, not ever, never. Go against it, resist while submitting to God. And guess what? You will overcome Satan and you will be exalted by the Lord. When we ask God to lead us from temptation, slide number six, and to deliver us from the evil one, we're surrendering to the reality that he is the king, the boss, the Lord, and we are not. This is how we yield and this is how we win. <laughs> Slide seven, what does this mean in our daily walk? Number one, I am not my own. I am bought with a price. We see that in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20, Paul addresses this to the Corinthians and says this, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, but Billy Joel didn't preach that. He said, it's my life. No. How many of you know that Billy Joel can't resurrect you, but God can? It's not just your life. It was a purchased life. Purchased back from the devil. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your bod. Rhyme, say, glorify God, glorify God. in your bod. They rhyme. If you, need, if you forget, God bod. God, watch my bod. How many you know that most sin, you're going to do something with your body? You're going to look on something that's wrong. You're going to read something that's wrong. You're going to get involved in violence and hit people with your body. How many you know that most things, most sin is played out in the body? And so that's why when we glorify God in our body, we're going to be okay. As we also then submit to our thought life, submit to God in our thought life. In Psalm 40, verse 8, it says, I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is written or is within my heart. This is a messianic uh, proclamation of Jesus and, and, and his life attitude. I delight to do your will. In other words, I serve at the pleasure of the king. Then I said, Jesus, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures, Hebrews 10, verse 7. As we pull in here to begin the preliminary circling, one thing nice about Medford is I can circle many, many times because oftentimes our airport's fogged in. And if I don't make it clear and it's foggy, I just circle until landing. I'll tell the, the second group this. Okay, I'm just a tease. We are approaching the end of the message. Every part of the Lord's Prayer is about yielding. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he demonstrated in word and action a yielded life. Watch this. P-R-A-Y, praise, repent, ask, and yield. When I praise, I'm yielding all the glory and honor to God. That's why I'm surprised and shocked sometimes when people aren't worshiping in church. Really? 
Who are you going to give that glory to? Yourself? When I come in, I lift my hands to the Lord and I begin to sing and meditate on the scriptural connectedness of the, the songs we sing. What I'm really saying is, Lord, I am the sheep of your pasture. You created me and I did not create myself. That's right. I yield the praise and glory. Do we honor him and yield in that area? When I repent, I yield all my life, my sins, my offenses, my pride, all of it to God. Lo siento, Señor. En mi corazón hay muchas veces yo soy un pecador. Lo siento, Señor. I'm sorry, Lord. In my heart, many times, I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me. Third one, ask. As I ask God for things, I yield my independence, my cares, my needs to God. Then finally, when I yield, I yield everything and lay my life at his feet. And so, dear brothers and sisters, last verses. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 from the NLT. I want to finish with one of the most poignant prayer times in, in the Bible. It was the prayer of a pure spiritual virgin being told he had to take the sins of the world. He had to be forsaken by heaven and by his own father and he had to become sin incarnate. And Jesus Christ, was, as we know, he's fully God and he was fully human. The prayer in Gethsemane was not Jesus praying as God, he was praying as a human. And he said, Father, if it be your will, take this cup or this experience that I'm gonna drink, take it from me three times. He was so shaken. The Bible said that he wept as it were great drops of blood. Two angels came to strengthen him. And the third time, and all three times, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. This is our final session, I believe, on prayer. We won't have much in prayer 
if we just use it like some other form of like a witchcraft, you're trying to manipulate some kind of a spiritual entity for power, prayer, and the kingdom of God is about a bunch of yielders. That's why we gather together. I need other people who fail like I do, who long like I do, who have passion like I do, who face the same battle in society like I do. I need to come here week after week and find a friend and find somebody that tells me, don't lose the high ground. Yield to God. Many Christians, the only thing lacking in their life is they've never gone to the cross. They've never said, Lord, no matter what, I'm taking up my cross and I'll follow you. Then when it comes to your will or my will, I'll follow you, God. These messages aren't reserved only for youth camp. These are messages that refer to every adult, every one of us who has a conscience, every one of us who can lie awake at night and ponder our life. We need to ponder, oh God, am I yielded? Or am I just trying to draw you into my thing? God, help me, help me now, Lord. I think sometimes we've been overhepped. And we need to just get to a point where we say, you know what, man, I eat well. My car starts every day. My thermostat works and the heat comes on. And maybe I need to quit just asking for help. And maybe I need to say, Lord, how can I help you? How can I yield my life to you? Anybody here feel like this might relate to any Christian within a couple counties? Yeah, I think it relates to us. Real briefly, the first way to yield to God is to acknowledge that you need a savior. You need someone to take away your sins. Nobody is gonna make it to heaven because they were a good person. The Bible teaches us that all have sinned and everyone has fallen short of God's expectation. And so the way that you're saved is by calling on the name of the Lord and saying, Lord, save me from my sins. Save me, God, from the fact that I could never ever pay back or live a good enough life to overwhelm the bad. Save me, Lord. The Bible said, if you'll call on the name of the Lord, he'll save you. And if you will call on the name of the Lord, you will not be ashamed. So right now, I'd like you to bow your heads if everybody would bow your head. Because I want to talk to all of you that came here wanting to be in compliance with God. Wanting, maybe today's the first time you heard the gospel that Jesus wants to take away your sins and make you a child of God. I'd like, I'd like you, if you're here and, and you'd like to join God, you'd like to become a believer and by raising your hand, it's the same as just calling on the Lord. You're just saying, I want, I want in, God. Could, could you raise your hand, every one of you that came to this place today, looking for new life? Could we raise our hands real quickly? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A couple hands have gone up. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to pray this prayer real quickly to receive Jesus. How do you think it's a good day to receive Jesus? <laughs> it's a great one. It's a super day to receive Jesus. Just repeat this prayer with me. And then there will be information on how you can, uh, you can get a little bit more information to follow the Lord. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Father, I need you. I need to yield my life to you. You said, I, I can't hear you guys praying. You said, if I would call on your name, that you would hear me and you would save me. You also said that, it, that whoever would call on your name would not be ashamed. Take away my shame. Lord, make me new on the inside. Take away my sins and everything that has offended you. Receive me as your child that I might walk in your ways. If you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. I receive you this day in Jesus' name. Amen.